Hey, what's up everyone? Greg here, and welcome back to you and your ex's favorite podcasting content series, Critical Thoughts. Obviously, the last few episodes that I've made have been a bit dark, so today feels like the right day to make an episode about one of the most exciting and uplifting topics out there. Banking regulation, of course. I'll admit I am taking out two birds with one stone with this one because I am on the Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee for the Harvard Model Congress, so I needed to do additional research anyway. I'm supposed to be role-playing Martha McSally, which doesn't make much sense to me, seeing as she is no longer part of the Senate. However, with all that aside, banking regulation is an extremely important issue. Many people take their access to a bank account for granted, but the level of banking regulation in a country can really affect the level of prosperity for its citizens. Speaking of prosperity, it's hard not to talk about the landscape of this issue without talking about the 2008 financial crisis. Proponents of bank regulation will tell you that the crisis was caused by derivative trading due to deregulation, and that more regulation is needed to prevent another crisis from occurring. Also, in case you didn't know, derivative trading is when two parties sign a contract based on the value of an underlying asset, allowing for profit to be made without actually buying anything. This can seem good, but when one side defaults on a risky debt obligation, the bad debt can have a ripple effect in the financial system. However, it's hard to say that deregulation had anything to do with this, as it is difficult to come to the logical conclusion that deregulation actually occurred during the 2000s. Regulatory agencies showed increases in staffing leading up to the crisis, and the Securities and Exchange Commission used its new inflated budget to increase staffing by 26% from 2000 to 2008. Other regulatory agencies, like the Comptroller of the Currency, also showed increases in staffing. In addition, the SEC implemented dozens of new rules per year, approximately 74. This kind of activity is hardly consistent with deregulation. Of course, many people claim that the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act caused the crisis. This act repealed a clause in Glass-Steagall that prohibited commercial and investment banks from merging activities. But there are questions about how much impact this law actually had on the financial markets and whether it had any influence in the financial crisis. Even before its passage, investment banks were already allowed to trade and hold the types of assets that were at the center of the crisis, such as mortgage-backed securities and derivatives. The shift of investment banks into holding substantial trading portfolios resulted from their increased capital base as a result of most investment banks becoming publicly hold entities, something that had nothing to do with Graham-Leach-Bliley. In short, it's hard to see that any objective changes in the behavior of banks as a result of Graham-Leach-Bliley could have actually resulted in the financial crisis. In addition, it's important to understand that regulation could have caused the use of derivatives by banks in the first place. Derivatives allow banks to reduce the risks of loans and securities, allowing them to reduce the capital held against these loans. Now that I've shown you that it is in fact not deregulation that caused the financial crisis, I hope you now understand that there is little incentive to continue building on our already complicated and expensive regulatory system. However, bank regulation can be damaging on other fronts as well. For instance, excessive regulation makes it challenging for Americans to get favorable financial services. 
The share of banks offering free checking accounts fell from 75% prior to Dodd-Frank to 37% in 2015. Monthly service fees charged by banks have more than doubled over this time, while the number of quote-unquote unbanked Americans has grown. Credit card interest rates are 2% higher, and the amount of total credit card accounts has dropped by 15% as well. Increased regulation also leads to an oligopoly for banks considered quote-unquote too big to fail. Since Dodd-Frank, the market share of such banks has skyrocketed. This makes sense, as research has concluded that the financial burden of regulation disproportionately falls on smaller banks. These banks have a harder time accumulating capital and acclimating to different financial situations. As a result of all this, financial transactions like loans are still occurring at a much slower rate than they were in 2008, stunting economic growth. In addition, regulatory processes are complicated and convoluted, and they also lack transparency and accountability. This increases regulatory risk and opportunities for corruption and regulatory capture. All this can result in abuses that erode our financial system, and because of the increasing size of these oligarchal banks, our democracy. We can use the example of the CFPB. Because the CFPB's expenses are assessed against the Fed, there is little room for congressional limitation. With this fact in combination with the CFPB's wide mandate, the CFPB has been able to unilaterally interpret regulatory law in a sometimes unconstitutional manner. It's even implemented critical race theory to somehow quantify discrimination against minorities and counter that with positive action, which, as we all know, is asinine, no matter who's doing it. To put salt in the wound, a report of the CFPB remarks that this theory-slash-formula is often incorrect, and thus completely arbitrary. Regulatory agencies like the CFPB are way too powerful, and they hurt the consumers that they're trying to defend. When these regulatory agencies are trying to take down practices that are not even considered actionable by the Supreme Court, they are completely out of line. Alright, I'm going to read a hypothetical anecdote from a Cato article I used to research this episode. It reads like this. Imagine you are operating a business, and you get a call from your banker explaining that she can no longer provide services to you. Your accounts at the bank must be closed immediately, despite the fact that your business is thriving and you have done nothing unlawful. When you call another banker to try and open an account, he turns you down too. The bankers all tell you the same story. Bank regulators have told them that they should not serve you, and they must obey or will face significant regulatory penalties. Welcome to the Obama administration's main post Dodd-Frank contribution to the financial regulation world, also known as Operation Chokepoint. As a result of Operation Chokepoint, many producers whose rights are protected by the Constitution were denied a bank account. Providers of pornography and quote-unquote hateful content were denied an account, despite their rights being protected under the First Amendment. Over 30 merchant categories were determined high-risk by the FDIC. In 2012, the FDIC explained that having the wrong kinds of risky clients can produce unsatisfactory community reinvestment act ratings, compliance rating downgrades, restitution to consumers, and the pursuit of civil money penalties. Other regulatory guidelines pointed to difficulties banks with high reputation risk could have consummating acquisitions. In short, the FDIC now has the power to arbitrarily determine what is punishable behavior by both banks and the merchants that use banking services. This is obviously not okay. 
In short, legislation needs to be signed simplifying regulation and limiting the power of predatory agencies like the FDIC. Regulators need to have formal rules that are debated in public and enforced in a transparent manner. In general, regulatory agencies need to be prevented from taking such extensive action on political issues, such as race with the CFPB. These agencies must remain politically independent to preserve their integrity and must only act within the specific powers delegated to them by Congress. Banking regulation has gotten out of control due to a lack of transparency and fear from the recession. We must reel in the government to prevent it from hurting banks and consumers alike. Thank you for listening to this episode of Critical Thoughts. Don't forget to join our pledge on Twitter and follow us on your favorite streaming platforms. This podcast's Twitter username is ThinkCriticalPC and mine is GregThinkCrit. We always support all of your support. Peace.